Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. We got coming up inside the council chambers with Nicole Williams. Here we go. Previously on inside the council chambers, an attempt to change the rules regarding street vendors could prevent downtown vendors from draping a python around your neck. Pythons? Really? Downtown Nashville just ain't what it used to be. I used to be a theater kid, though, so I'm used to spicing up the not-so-spicy. At one public square, we have 40 Metro Council members, one Vice Mayor. Their relationships and decisions will determine what happens to the people of Davidson County. What will they decide? How will they work together? We now take you inside Council Chambers. Um, Nicole... What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on, Khalil. This segment ain't big enough for the both of us. This segment ain't big enough for the both of us? That's right, you heard me. I've had my eye on you ever since you set foot in this here studio. Now I'm gonna give you 10 seconds to clear out before I show you why the people of this town call me the sharpest shooter this side of the Mississippi. Are you doing another one of your bits? You think this is a bit? Mister, I've been here a long time before you showed up, and I've seen a lot of strange things in all them years. All right, you've worked on the show for a couple of months. I'm the OG around these parts. Now you wait just one gosh darn minute. Uh, Here's an idea. Instead of fighting about it, why don't you tell me a story about some of them strange things? I, I reckon I could do that. Matter of fact, things been stranger than a screen door on a submarine over yonder in the council chambers lately. Now, who exactly do you think you are? Well, those town folks sound fit to be tied. Right you are, Khalil. Right you are. The townsfolk were madder than a wet cat. What in tarnation had them so riled up? Councilmember Courtney Johnston. She's the new day sheriff around these parts. If she's the new day sheriff, who's the night sheriff? Now, hold your horses now. We'll get to him. Hmm. You see... The council is fixing to make some changes to the rules of the road. They do this every term, and Councilmember Johnston has a mind to crack down on some unsavory behavior in the council chambers. Unsavory? How? Oh, you know, eating little snacks, not picking up after yourself, bouncing a basketball. I'm saying people in the chamber, you know, when they get rowdy and are clapping and hooping and hollering and yelling out and all this kind of stuff like that, That's not conducive to positive legislative procedure. Things got out of hand many times last term. We shouldn't be bouncing basketballs in our gallery. Like, that was ridiculous. And yes, I'm calling someone specifically out. Okay, the basketball, I can understand. But no snacks? That's just wrong. Nope. Just a sip of water to wet your whistle. When 
we have large groups of people and they leave and there's trash all over the place because they've brought in food. Like I agree with getting rid of snack. I mean, a water bottle, I get it. But bringing in snacks and like coming in with your dinner, like, I mean, we can't do that. Now, I, I got to come clean about something, Khalil. I have on more than one occasion eaten a literal meal in the gallery. So it's you. You're the problem. It's me. But I always clean up after myself, just like my mama taught me. According to Councilmember Johnston, though, not everyone was raised with quite the same manners as yours truly. I've never seen dinner. I've seen snacks. Yeah, but, right, but I'm saying the remnants of their snacks. Like, it's, this just isn't a place. Like, you don't, that, this is not the place for that. Are there trash cans in the gallery? N- not really. I think there might just be one, and it's pretty tiny. Okay, cool. So we're dropping the accents, right? Yeah, that bit just ain't sustainable. Mm-hmm. I, I might be oversimplifying this, but if the concern is people leaving their trash, why not just, you know, buy some trash cans? Well, you and Councilmember Sandra Sepulveda are dang near two peas in a pod. I, I disagree with the food. Okay. I, we, we are able to eat snacks in you know, not in the gallery ourselves. We're there for hours. A lot of the people that come to these meetings are there for hours as well. I think um, we do need to add trash cans um, to help out with with the trash. Um, And we could definitely put signs back there to say, please pick up after yourself. I do think that we we should do that. Um, I just, I don't don't feel comfortable asking the, the public that is taking time off and probably not having dinner or anything from eating snacks. It sounds like there wasn't any appetite among the council members to take away people's snacks. And thank the good Lord in heaven above for that, because I simply would not make it through those meetings without my little snacks. Have you tried cakes and pies? Little Debbie. Mighty sweet, wholesome treat. Little is that the only thing Councilmember Johnston wants to change about how the council's business is conducted? Far from it, Khalil. Far from it. We had a whole committee that met several times, and I was on it, about council members. From which we have done... There's just ways to conduct yourself and ways to... I don't know. To I just feel like it should be separated out. There's... We should be and conducting ourselves Our guests in a should be... Way conducting themselves in a certain way. Clearly, we need to put this in the rules and put it... Whether you go with one, two, three, four, five, however long you want to go, or a hundred points. To me, it's the same thing, but the points are stupid. Your district is your district. Prioritize what's in your district. Okay, so she's got some opinions. Some opinions? She's plumb full of opinions about dang near everything that goes on at the council. Okay, hold on now. I've seen your Twitter account. Isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? I take your point, Khalil. Did any other ideas of hers make your ears perk up? Matter of fact, she's got it in her mind that the press needs to be moved. Right now, they sit on the council floor next to a table where the members of the mayor's administration sit. Wait, wait. Council floor, council chambers, gallery. Can you define these terms for us? 10-4, good buddy. The council floor is where the council sits. They don't sit on the actual literal floor. That's just what that part of the chamber is called. Mm -hmm. The vice mayor is up at the dais in the front facing the council. 
And on either side of her are tables where people from the mayor's administration and other departments sit. The gallery is where the audience sits, the common man, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's separated from the council floor by a wooden barrier that's about waist high. The council floor is also slightly elevated and it's carpeted with fancy chairs, while the gallery's got linoleum floors and hard pews. Wow, so the council's really stepping in high cotton. They sure are. The council chambers is the whole room, council floor and gallery combined. All right, I've got it now. Council floor plus gallery equals council chambers. Bingo. So, Council Member Johnston wants to move the press. Where does she want them to sit, and what's her reasoning? She wants them to sit out in the gallery with the unwashed masses. (gasps) Not in the gallery. Yep, she says they're too close for comfort where they are now. Because I know there's sometimes if I want to go talk to whoever's at the administration table and Cassandra Stevenson is sitting there. Well, if I don't know who Cassandra Stevenson is, I'm having a conversation that media is listening to that I may not want that. I don't think it's appropriate, to be honest with you, to have media at the administration table or in that area. I think it's inappropriate to have media in that specific place. Sometimes things can be taken out of context. Wait, what's she concerned about them? overhearing. Who can say? God forbid the public catch wind of something being discussed by elected officials in an open meeting. Boss, you're going to want to hear this. I have it on good authority that Mayor Freddie O'Connell doesn't wear socks on Tuesdays. Well, that's about as juicy as an overcooked chicken. But we ain't got much else to report on. Fire up the presses and get to print. Stop the presses. Councilmember Johnston wants to move the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. Council member Johnston wants to move the press. So how does the press feel about this? Well, what little local press we have has been mum on the issue, but I know some regular folk who aren't feeling too agreeable about all this. They're concerned that if council member Johnston gets her way, there'll be even less space than there already is for folks to sit in the gallery, which sort of defeats the purpose of having a meeting in a public space. I see. Did the council make a decision on this? Not just yet, but you know I'll be tracking the story because they're threatening to take away my favorite pew to make room for the press. Oh, Lord, heaven help us. Now, here's another thing you need to know about Councilmember Johnston. She's a real trust but verify kind of person. Heavy on the verify, light on the trust. And if she gets any inkling that you might be misusing the people's hard-earned tax dollars, you better call your accountant and pray your books are in order. Where is this going? Have you ever heard of the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee? That's the nonprofit organization here in town, right? It sure is. Now, I don't quite understand what their whole deal is. Their website says things like, we want to help people feel good about giving, whatever that means. But I do know that they're one of a couple of organizations that our local government has partnered with to handle donations from community members in times of crisis, like after a natural disaster. So they're kind of like a clearinghouse for donations from concerned residents who want to help their fellow Nashvillians in need? Exactly. So after a major weather event or a tragedy, if community members want a central location to donate that has the Metro government's stamp of approval, 
they can give money to the community foundation, which will then disperse the funds on Metro's behalf. Ah, let me guess. Councilmember Johnston thinks they're up to something fishy. Right again, my friend. This all started with a News Channel 5 Investigates piece last year. For years, Nashville has counted on the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee to collect donations after disasters and get that money in the right hands. But there are calls tonight to end that longstanding relationship. And this all comes after a News Channel 5 investigation exposed how the foundation gave out more than $8 million after the 2020 tornadoes and has no idea how or even if all that money was spent. Okay. This does sound pretty serious. Councilmember Johnston thought it sounded serious enough to ask the city to perform an audit on the community foundation's handling of those funds. She requested that back in the fall of 2022. I don't know that anybody could see those stories and not be disappointed and, and um, maybe even a little angry. It's just unfortunate that we've gotten to this place where so many questions have been asked by so many people that have, and they've gone unanswered that now we have an investigative report and it's um, quite damning. We are telling people, this is where you send your money. There's a certain amount of accountability, transparency, and diligence that needs to go into the handling of those dollars. And that's clearly not happening here. What did the audit show? Well, there's the rub. The audit hasn't been released yet. Meanwhile, the mayor's administration has a contract making its way through approvals at the Metro Council that would essentially re-up the relationship between Metro and the Community Foundation. I bet Councilmember Johnston wasn't too thrilled about that. Man, it's almost like we scripted this ahead of time to move the plot along and break up my long-winded monologues. You know, it is almost like that. Wow. <laughs> anyway, yes, you're right. Councilmember Johnston doesn't want the contract to be approved until the public has had a chance to see the full results of the audit. So at the last council meeting, she asked her colleagues to defer approval of the contract until mid-January of next year. Councilwoman Johnston, you are recognized. So about a year ago, we had some concern with um, the Community Foundation, and so I requested an audit to be done, and the audit committee um, accepted and understood the need for that. So that um, audit has come back and it has not been released and has, has not been made public and the audit committee has not even been able to, dis to um, discuss it. And I feel like um, an MOU of this magnitude deserves the chance for that audit to be discussed within the audit committee, but then also um, to be digest digested by this body so that we know that what we are entering into to be prepared for a response with our constituents at some of the worst times of their lives, whether it's a tornado or a, a, a flood or um, any other sort of natural disaster. Um, I just think it's incumbent upon us to really um, be able to have all of the information and look at it. So I'm going to move for a deferral into the January 16th meeting. All right, that sounds reasonable. So TBD on the Community Foundation contract. Yeah, I suspect it will pass eventually, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see another News Channel 5 investigate story about it before all is said and done. And who says we don't have press here? Now, you really want to talk about the Wild Wild West? Well, look no further than a little place I like to call Lower Broadway. What do you mean you like to call it Lower Broadway? That's just what it's called, Nicole. Well, yeah, I like to be precise. Here we are, Lower Broad, 
the site of such lovely local haunts as Blake Shelton's Old Red, Jason Aldean's Kitchen and Rooftop Bar, Kid Rock's Big Ass Honky Tonk. I'm sensing a theme here. Hey, maybe we could get us a bar. Call it Garth Brooks Council Chambers. Okay, maybe a different name, but I like the way you think. Okay, back to setting the stage. It's downtown on a Saturday night on the famed streets of Lower Broadway. And there's a woman from Nashville who's walking down the sidewalk. Okay, now hold on now. Now, we ask our audience to suspend their disbelief plenty, plenty. But a woman from Nashville on Lower Broad on a Saturday night? That is taking it too far. Oh, she's only down there because she's got friends in town. Ah. There's literally no other reason for a Nashvillian to be on Lower Broad on a Saturday night. Okay, okay. That I can buy. Sorry. Please continue. So this woman, she's having a great time, not a care in the world, when a man approaches her holding a python. A python? A python. Might as well rebrand Lower Broadway to Jumanji Way, because things are getting downright animalistic down there. Excuse me, ma'am. Can I interest you in a serpentine encounter? Um, no, thank you, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for my friend. She's going to be right out. It won't cost mm. you a penny. All I ask is a simple gratuity if you feel so inclined. Come on, Brenda. Where the heck are you? Wait. What just happened? The python dude just put the python around that lady's neck without her consent. What? If there's something strange in your neighborhood, who you gonna call? Nightmare! Hold up. Nightmare? Well, remember when you asked about the night sheriff earlier? You know, if Councilmember Johnston is the day sheriff, who's the night sheriff? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that would be our right honorable night mayor, Mr. Benton McDonough. He heads up Nashville's Office of Nightlife, and he's kind of awesome. Just a real kind, unassuming guy trying to make the streets of downtown safe and fun for everyone. Mayor Cooper appointed Benton McDonough as this new director of nightlife, and the first thing he's going to do is crack down on the party buses that drive through downtown Nashville. Mayor Cooper says McDonough will work with residents and the nightlife industry to address quality of life issues like cleanliness, noise, and safety. He will also work with local government to address these issues and bring resources downtown to help. We don't want Nashville to become a, a victim of its own success. And so we, we really, we want to be able to support those businesses and, and make sure that, that they're happy and their customers are happy. Okay, he's got to be cracking down on this kind of thing, right? I mean, there must be some type of law against offering up Python neck squeezes for cash downtown. With all the laws we've got on the books, you sure would think that. But no, in fact, it's perfectly legal to offer to place a literal python around someone's neck downtown, so long as you're not technically charging for it, Hmm. which vendors like this get around by asking for tips. I mean, you can't force someone to wear a snake as a scarf. That's assault. And that actually happened to a woman here in town not too long ago. But there's nothing to keep folks from turning downtown into a veritable reptile house. Wow. So what could Nightmare Benton do about it? He had to call in his partner. 
downtown council member Jacob Coopin, the Robin to his Batman. Now, I've seen council member Coopin posting on Twitter about his little outings with the Nightmare. Yep, they take their little tours around downtown and brainstorm how to make life better down there for humans and exotic animals alike. So what's the plan? Councilmember Coopin has introduced a bill that's currently slithering its way through the Metro Council. It outlaws the, quote, display or exhibition of animals for payment or gratuity on public property. This is number five on the transportation and infrastructure agenda. This is BL 2023-70 by Coopin, Evans, and Huffman. Uh, this amends section 13.08.040 of the Metropolitan Code related to the offering of merchandise for sale on or near public property. Councilmember Coopin, you're recognized. This bill is um, targeting downtown Nashville. There are um, individuals that are putting snakes around their neck and then putting them on individuals down there and then fairly aggressively soliciting tips. And so this was a amendment to the existing countywide vending ordinance to address that. All right. So how much longer till that bill becomes law of the land? I've got friends coming in town soon, but I'm not too keen on taking them downtown if we got to worry about snakes. Well, the bill got deferred for one meeting at the last council meeting because another council member had concerns about some vague, potentially overbroad terminology in a different part of the bill. But Councilmember Coopin plans to get that cleaned up and get the Python people off of Lower Broad in time for the holidays. Okay, big shout out to our nightmare for working hard to make Lower Broad safe and a little more highfalutin. He's our Huckleberry. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk with Nicole Williams about what we can expect from the next Metro Council meeting. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Our Metro Council meets tonight. What's on the agenda? What type of discussions will they be having? Now, before the break, we heard about some of the activities from their last meeting. Now let's get a preview of what's on the docket for tonight. For that, our Metro Council expert, Nicole Williams, joins us. You can find her on X or Twitter at Startles Easily. Nicole, thanks for being here. Yeah, happy to be here as always. Yes. Okay, so in the latest edition of Inside the Council Chambers, we met Benton McDonough, who serves as the city's nightmare. Okay, can you explain a little bit more about McDonough and the position he holds? Yes. So this is really exciting. Um, about a year ago, Mayor then Mayor John Cooper established the Mayor's Office of Nightlife, um, which was essentially his response to all of the crazy stuff that's been happening downtown that people are really upset about. So uh, Benton McDonough is the director of that office. He is colloquially referred to as our night mayor, and um, he works with businesses, residents, vendors downtown to essentially try to build a safer, um, more welcoming and inviting downtown. What type of authority does the nightmare hold? That's a really good question. Um, you know, he's not a police officer. He can't go down and start like cracking down on crime. Um, but he does 
like I said, serve as that liaison so he can work with MNPD, he can work with businesses and residents um, to try to understand their concerns and essentially bring various departments um, and sort of key points of contact together to try to address those concerns. I wonder what his hours are. Does he clock in at like 8 p.m. and clock out at 5 a.m.? I mean, he's always posting on Twitter of all the stuff that he does at night. So I'm assuming he must just like sleep all day. Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so, you know, question about it. Is the issue with snake vendors, is that the only thing that he's focused on at the moment? No, not at all. Uh, that is an issue. And like, I certainly would not want a python draped around me. Mm -hmm. um, but that is perhaps one of the least of our worries downtown. Um, it's pretty crazy down there, as I'm sure you've heard. There's just a lot going on. It's very hectic. And, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily as safe as it used to be um, for people to go down and just like have a good time. So essentially he's there to bring some order to the revelry. Absolutely. All right. Now we also heard in the segment that council member Courtney Johnston has a problem with where the press is located in the council chambers. She, she thinks they're sitting a little too close to the action. Yes. What do you expect from the chambers regarding this? I think this is going to be really interesting to watch. I couldn't get a feel for how much of an appetite there was for that um, among the other council members. I do know that Margaret Darby, who is the council director, so she's like the council's lawyer. She sits up there next to Vice Mayor Angie Henderson. Um, I do know that this is also something that she is interested in seeing. Um, she doesn't like the press sitting there either. So uh, we'll see. I, I'm. I would be interested to see if other council members are really interested in making that kind of change. Um, and I and I think we will hear some from the press, perhaps, as this sort of moves forward. OK, so in the segment, you gave us a little bit of a layout of council chambers where people sit. Now, does Vice Mayor Andy Henderson, Henderson does she arrange the seating assignments? So I don't think that there's any formal like this is what the vice mayor is able to do within the chambers. But as the president of the body, um, I would say she probably has some sort of informal power over that. Uh, so I she didn't really um, necessarily make her views clear one way or the other in the committee meeting where this was discussed, but she will definitely have to be a part of that conversation. Mm, we'll be paying attention to that, particularly yeah. the press. All right. So a lot of committees, several committees met last night. Were there any legislation that got a lot of attention? Yeah. So last night um, we had our Monday night committees, which were uh, budget and finance, um, transportation and infrastructure and planning and zoning. And one thing that came up several times were leases for Metro departments. So Metro leases a lot of office space for its departments. We also own some office buildings, but um, leasing is how we deal with a lot of our departments. And council member at large, Zulfat Suara, has every time a lease comes up at council, she uses that as an opportunity to talk about 
the fact that she believes and a lot of people believe that Metro should buy the Morris Memorial Building. Mm-hmm. Um, you all talked about this last week with uh, Mayor Freddie O'Connell because it's currently under contract to be sold to a private developer. Um, so Council Member Suara again voiced her belief that instead of leasing space, we should be investing in buildings like the Morris Building um, and using that for office space and preserving that history. Did What was the response from her other committee members? I think, well, at a certain point, people start laughing because she's like a broken record. But I think, you know, the the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Um, So I think she finds it really important to continue to put that out there and make it known. Um, And we'll just see what the mayor is able to do um, with it being under contract with that private developer. We'll see. Okay, so tonight's the next meeting. Anything on tonight's agenda that you'll be keeping an eye on? Yes. Um, I would like to mention the Python bill is being deferred again. Okay. So this came up at the committee meetings last night. Um, apparently, Metro Legal took one more pass at the bill and realized that there was some issue with the language that was being used about public property. Um, and so it, it's like all very not exciting. Um, but what it meant is that they have to defer the bill again so they can get that language correct um, so that it actually does address the concern that Councilmember Coopin is trying to address. Um, you could tell he was clearly like, I want to get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's very interested in making sure that this is the last time that we have to go through this. Oh, wait, there's another issue with the bill. Um, so that will be deferred again tonight. Uh, We'll be seeing some updates to the council rules of procedure. That was in the segment just Mm -hmm. now. We talked about that. Um, These are the rules that govern the council for the next four years. So that for this council term and council member Sandra Sepulveda, who is the chair of the rules committee, has held several um, special called rules committee meetings where they've discussed the rules of procedure. There's a lot of them. There's like 50 um, and, you know, various subparts to those rules. Um, So they're making some changes, not necessarily huge changes. Um, The one thing that will be very different is that uh, the first council meeting in January is going to be canceled. Um, Mm. So something that most people probably don't know about council, they meet year round, two meetings a month, every month. And the only month that they get off is the September of the election year. So like, yeah, one month in four years, they get off. Um, So Vice Mayor Angie Henderson brought a proposal to the executive committee, which is just made up of all the committee chairs. And she was like, hey, it's really tough for staff to deal with this first meeting in January. It's right after the holidays. We never get a break. Why don't we just give ourselves a tiny little break and not have that first January meeting? And everyone was just like, uh, yes, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there were some concerns about making sure that schedules don't get messed up with bills getting through the council. But I think knowing that there won't be that first meeting, people will be able to prepare for that. I'm interested in the Python bill. I'm sure they don't want an opportunity. And here's a pun coming for regulation to slither away. <laughs> All right. So now you told me, you know, not a lot happened during the last council meeting, but it lasted for almost three hours. Yeah. 
Nicole, how is that possible? You know, Khalil, I sometimes wonder that as I am sitting there for hours on end. With meal in hand sometimes. Well, yeah, but just a couple of times, and I don't think I got caught. Okay. Um, but <laughs> those were, I will say, in my defense, the two times that I did have a meal at the council, um, the Titan Stadium was being discussed, and those meetings went until like 2 a.m. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm you gotta discreet. Eat. You got to eat. You got to eat. Um, so I, I often think that I'm like, I'll look back at my live tweets and I'm just like, we didn't really do much of anything. How is it possible that I was sitting here for three hours? Um, so one thing, technical difficulties, there's always technical difficulties with the voting machines. Um, there's always some question about, you know, procedure that comes up and slows things down. People really like to hear themselves talk. I know you know, again, pot calling the kettle black because I, I am talking a lot right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do enjoy hearing myself talk. So, so I get it. I feel like if I were a council member, I would be the same way. Um, can't blame them for that. But then my biggest pet peeve, and this is, I think what slows down a lot of what happens at the council is people pulling resolutions off of the consent calendar, um, in order to basically just like talk about how they really like this person that they're trying to do a memorializing resolution for um, and then asking all of their colleagues to sign on. Um, so the consent calendar, by the way, is basically if a bill or a resolution passes through committee and there's no one who votes against it or abstains, then um, the vice mayor will put it on the consent calendar, which means she just gets to read off all those resolutions and then everyone votes on those at all at the same time. So you mm -hmm. don't have an individual vote because that really slows things down. All right. So hopefully the voting machines work when it's Hopefully, time to vote yes. on the consent calendar. Yeah. All right. Now that's Metro Council expert Nicole Williams. You can find her Metro Council updates at Startles Easily on X or Twitter. She'll be back with a brand new Inside the Council Chambers in two weeks. Nicole, again, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk with three reporters from the WPLN News Desk for a roundup of the stories they've been covering. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Kalile Colonna, and this is Nashville. All right, so global and national, often the news, they often take up a lot of our attention. Sometimes folks can feel overwhelmed at the amount of news that seems to be breaking at a rapid rate. But while staying in the know about news that happens on the world stage or nationwide is important, it's really important to keep up on your local news. What are the stories that matter to you and your community? That is a question that reporters from the WPLN News Desk ask themselves every day. They work hard to answer that question. So to get you up to speed on news that you should know about are three reporters from WPLN. I'd like to welcome education reporter Alexis Marshall, environmental reporter, reporter Caroline Eggers, and political reporter Blaze Ganey for this Reporters Roundup. Lexi, Caroline, Blaze, 
Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All right. So, you know, the start date for the next legislative session is coming up and it's getting closer. The three of you have kind of spent a good amount of time at the state capitol building for your stories. Lexi, we're going to start with you. You spent two weeks covering the legislative task forces hearings on whether to reject federal education funds. Okay, so for listeners who may not be familiar with this task force, can you break down what the goal of it is? Yeah, so they are basically evaluating what sorts of restrictions come with money from the federal government. Uh, And that money largely goes towards programs that serve low-income kids and students with disabilities. Uh, But they're basically looking at the, uh, the requirements that come with that money and deciding Uh, whether it would be worth it for Tennessee to reject that money uh, in order to have uh, what they say is potentially more autonomy. Okay, so who did they talk to during these hearings? So they talked to a lot of researchers, some nonpartisan uh, groups, as well as uh, superintendents and like school district leaders. Uh, And then on the very last day, um, House members of this committee actually also heard from some small government think tanks based out of Michigan and Florida. Did they talk to any parents? Uh, not during the task force meetings. So there were parents that showed up every day of these meetings, uh, mainly from a group called Rise and Shine Tennessee. Um, and they have been advocating for the state to continue accepting this funding um, because in addition to, um, you know, funding these programs like school lunches or um, Title I for low-income schools or the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Uh, it also comes with requirements to uphold you know, federal civil li- rights laws, uh, things like Title IX, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Uh, so they were really asking lawmakers to A, participate, um, but also B, to continue accepting these, fun- these funds. But oh. they had like a separate press conference one day instead of actually being able to participate in the panels. Okay. Now, I know you covered many hours of these working group meetings over the past couple of weeks. Can you can you give me a little bit how, tell me a little bit about how you decided what was really worth focusing on in your coverage and why? Uh, I really tried to tease out like the big overarching themes that I was hearing. So if lawmakers were repeatedly asking on a specific topic, um, then that's something that I wanted to make sure that I was pulling into our coverage. Uh, and then also unexpected stuff. Uh, so one of those things was uh, an, an emphasis on the amount of food waste that comes out of the child nutrition program from USDA. That struck me as something that I wasn't expecting to hear a lot about, but um, specifically uh, Representative Reagan was really going in on questions about uh, how much food gets thrown away from this program that feeds hundreds of thousands of Tennessee children. Hmm. That's interesting. Tell me this. What room didn't you have? What, 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 What did you have to cut and leave out of the story? Uh, so there was definitely like more, I don't know how to phrase it other than like potentially drama that happened on the last day that I'm not sure fully got into my coverage. Um, but there was some interaction between those, uh, small government think tank folks and some of the, uh, the parents that were in the audience. And, uh, we ended up having a little bit of an interruption, uh, whenever we heard that of what did you lose independence-wise and opportunity-wise because you took them? 
We appreciate you all being here, but please, please help us to be able to hear our guest as we do this work. We are hearing these things for the very first time ourselves. That was uh, Deborah Moody, the co-chair on the House side of this task force, just asking parents, you know, uh, please don't interrupt the guests. But parents were definitely uh, getting frustrated with what they were hearing from the small gov government think tank folks. I can understand. Now, tell me, tell us this. What are you going to be looking out for next as this moves forward? So the Senate co-chair on this task force has said that um, he doesn't think that the state is going to go forward with rejecting this money, but we haven't heard from the other members of the task force. Um, they're probably also not going to hit their January 9th deadline on creating a report. Um, they're looking at like a much deeper dive on uh, what types of requirements there are. So basically keeping an eye out for that report and then possibly some more meetings after this Thanksgiving holiday. And it'll be really interesting to hear the conversations just among lawmakers. All right. Thanks, Lexi. Now, Caroline, you were at the Capitol to cover budget hearings about the environment. Now, Tiggs, so while you were at these hearings, what did you learn about the state's environmental priorities? Uh, well, the first thing that jumped out to me is that the Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation made putting internet in state parks as its top priority. Mm. So that has got some um, has gotten some interesting responses. Um, but the other big news came from the Department of Military. They requested funding for a mesonet, which is a statewide network of weather stations. Okay. It's interesting because for a long time you've been reporting about the need for a better weather warning system. From what you've witnessed, do you feel like the state is taking real serious action on this? Well, if they approve this funding, then absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so a mesonet, one of the biggest um, benefits of having one is that it can help forecasters make better forecast of our weather they understand the weather having this infrastructure and then they can put out earlier warnings some states even call their mesonets early warning systems okay if you're just tuning in this is nashville and i'm your host khalil a colona we're talking this hour with wpln reporters alexis marshall caroline eggers and blaze ganey about the stories they've been covering you can always join the conversation by tweeting us at this is nashville so Tell me this, Caroline. You've mentioned mesonets before on this show and a lot in your reporting. Where did you learn about mesonets? Um, well, I reported in Kentucky before I came here, and they have a great mesonet there. They have a really active climate office. So while I was doing environmental reporting there, I would very routinely uh, cite the mesonet, their data. Like, you know, we had a big windstorm. What were the top wind speeds across the state? And then when I got here to Tennessee... I learned, um, oh, we don't have a mesonet. We don't have this data. So it became a bit of a priority to uh, let people know what it is and why we needed it. All right. Thank you so much for that, Caroline. Now, Blaze, you've covered the state's overall revenue projection, basically the financial health of the entire state government. And these meetings, you know, they're really not the most entertaining, but they, they're not the most entertaining, but they are really, really, really important. Why is it important? for reporters like yourself to be there to cover this? Well, it just lets, you know, reporters that cover the state state house know how much money can be spent moving forward. And then um, this year they were, most of the projections show that they were at a shortfall. So that is an alert to me that 
not every department is going to get what they're asking for. Most departments come and ask, hey, we want to do this new thing, so we'll need more money than we got last year. Mm. Barely anybody says, we don't need any more money. You know? yeah. And so uh, some departments won't get what they want, or uh, they could look at cutting in other places also. All right, so set that picture for us. What takes place in these budget hearing meetings? A bunch of guys who went to school to study economics uh, gather around a table and they basically show projections on a chart. I mean, you said it earlier, it's not entertaining. It's very boring and dry. Um, But ultimately, they look at things like how much money is being uh, brought in from businesses or, uh, you know, just like what, what all is coming into the general revenue in the state and what is impacting that. Um, one of the things where we were able to receive money from online sales, um, that wasn't a thing in the past. And so now that they are uh, receiving that, that was a boost at one point. But now they've sort of been using that boost up or using that extra money up. And some of the other things that we were getting, like pandemic funding, is now no longer there. So we're seeing a budget shortfall now. Okay, so outside of the budget shortfall, is there anything different this year than compared to last year? I think, you know, the there's not really a big difference. I mean, I, I, in, this, in the shortfall, to me at least, and, and I think even to them, you know, you're talking about like billions of dollars. The shortfall is only millions. It's, it's not like a full billion. And so um, it's it's still significant money. I mean, we don't have millions sitting here at this table, so it is a significant amount of money. But I think what's most interesting is that, you know, sort of the first thing that thought about, or at least they hinted at cutting was the way that they give money back to the citizens in the state, which is a grocery sales tax. Uh, we had a one month um, two years ago, and then this year we've had a, a three month sales tax on groceries. Um, many people probably don't even realize it, but when you go to the grocery store doing three months out of the year, the um, you didn't have to pay any taxes. So you were probably able to get more groceries or spend that money elsewhere. And the first question that comes up was, you know, well, how much do we spend on that? And it was, I think it was upwards of 160 million, which is a good a good chunk of money. And, mm-hmm. and it seems like they could be thinking, well, if we don't do that, then we could, you know, maybe not be in such a hole. All right. I did not, I didn't notice any grocery sales tax. When, what months, what three months are they trying to do this? So I believe it, and I, I should know this, I believe it was sometime in October, actually. I think it ended in October. So, you know, October being the third month. Um, and so, so August, September, and October. Exactly. And so I think it's more, mostly around like uh, trying to help people who have, you know, multiple children and have a very high, uh, pay a lot in groceries. And this could save families. I think they were estimating like 60 to like $180 in one month, if not more. And, and you add up every single household in the state. Um, that is a big chunk of money. Like I said, it's upwards of $160 million. Hey, sign me up for grocery savings anytime. Now, you know, Blaze, we're talking about the budget, how it's not exciting and it's not sexy. But the thing people seem to focus on a lot is policy. Where do policy issues, budget issues, where do they meet? So a lot of times the policy decisions that can be made, um, they come with a price tag. So say if you want to make a policy to give people back money for grocery sales tax, you can do that if you are seeing a surplus in money and you want to 
uh, give money back to the citizens. Because Tennessee doesn't have a state income tax, most states would say we're going to we're going to cut the taxes that we charge you. They don't charge us taxes here. So the the one way that they can give back is really a grocery sales tax. Another idea that they had before the grocery sales tax was to cut down on car registration fees, but not everybody has a car. So the easiest way is everybody has to eat, do a grocery sales tax cut. Um, so that's why this is sort of the first thing that gets brought up when we're talking about uh, what well, we're in a budget shortfall. What things have we done that we don't necessarily have to continue doing? Uh, now, I think most people would say, well, why don't you stop giving all these tax cuts to you know corporations and businesses? Mm-hmm. That topic is where we get to the policy decisions of, of you know, what this what choice do you want to make? All right. Now, we do, I just covered news from my producer. The grocery sales tax is in effect from August 1st to October 31st. So pay attention to that next year when you're out shopping at your, one of your favorite grocery stores. These are these are all really, really big issues for lawmakers to sift through that you all are, you know, very diligently covering. And the session begins early next year. Tell me, what actions are you all expecting, real briefly, in regards to the stories that you've been covering? Car- Caroline, what are you expecting from lawmakers? Mm, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, I would say I don't have expectations at this point. I am surprised every year, um, but it will be very exciting for everyone in the state if this mezzanine funding does pass. All right. Blaze, what are you thinking? You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a public... Um, safety be a big part, even though they just had a special session on it. Not a lot was done, and the governor's already already said that he wants to focus or wants lawmakers to at least focus on it. So I wouldn't be surprised. Exactly what that means, though, is is really just not clear at this time. All right, Alexis, what are you looking out for on the ed- on the education beat? I am not sure if we will see a bill uh, outright potentially rejecting these federal funds, but I think there's a good chance that uh, they try to develop more studies to to see what the requirements with these federal funds are. And one lawmaker has hinted that he's interested in uh, requiring schools to track how much waste is de- uh, is generated by USDA food programs. So we'll see if that happens. All right. Want to thank you all so much for being here. One last question. When you guys are covering these hearings, do you run into each other a lot? Every once in a while. Yeah, every once in a while. And we always always communicate so that we're not overlapping and covering the same thing. All right. I want to give many thanks to reporters from the WPLN News Desk, education reporter Alexis Marshall, environmental reporter Caroline Eggers, and political reporter Blaze Ganey. Thanks to you all for this roundup, and thanks for your reporting. Thanks again for having us. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burton and yours truly. It was directed by our senior producer, producer, Tasha A.F. Lemley. Many thanks to Nina Cardona for helping out on the boards today. Live tweeting was handled by Elizabeth Burton, and the masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special, special thanks to our voiceover actors, Chuck Cardona, Carrie Pagetta, Blaze Ganey, Rachel Yacovoni, Char Dastin, and Miriam Kramer. Special shout out to Tony Gonzalez. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other.